Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Thank you, Lord God, for your word that will shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you can, stand if you can't. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 19. I don't know how far we're going to get, but start around verse 28 this morning. Palm Sunday took place a week before resurrection, and it was a very interesting time. I'm going to read you uh, the recollection of this or the retelling of this through uh, the, the firsthand accounts that Luke had testimony of, and uh, you're going to get a picture of you know what was actually taking place, why it took place, but then also... Uh, There's several things happening that are underlying that help us to to build our faith and understand a little bit more of what Jesus was actually doing. So Luke 6 and, and, uh, excuse me, 19 and verse 28. And the Bible says when he had spoken, so he'd finished preaching, he went uh, uh, before them and he was headed to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he got near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the, the mountain called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Verse 30 says, he told them, he said, go into the village over against you or the next village, the, the village near us. And he said, in which at your entering, when you come in, you're going to find a colt tied there where nobody has ever sat before. Loose him and bring him to me. And if any man asks you, why do you loose him? You say unto him, because the Lord has need of him. Now, I want to remind you, this is the same Jesus that the Bible says told the disciples one day, we're going to go across the sea to this other side to an area called the Gadarenes. And he actually told them to take the boat across there. And he had preached the previous day. And so while he was preaching, uh, uh, he, he literally, uh, when he got done preaching, he said, let's go to the other side. And he went to sleep in the bottom of the boat or the back of the boat on a pillow. And a storm rose up to try to stop them from getting there. Remember, uh, the devil often, sometimes is called the prince of the power of the air. Sometimes there are things that are designed by the, the demonic realm to stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. So one of the things to make absolutely certain of is you do not let friction stop you from fulfilling the will of God in your life because sometimes what you need to know that it's the right direction is a good demonic obstacle in your way. Sometimes you need more people to be mad at you than to celebrate you. <clears throat> Sometimes you need more people to be against you than are for you. Because if all of mankind is for you, I promise you, you probably have some doctrinal issues. Because the devil is not pleased when 
when the Bible is the epicenter of your focus. So Jesus tells these guys to go to the Gadarenes and when they, to go to the other side. And when he gets off the boat, there's a man that runs up and falls on the ground in front of Jesus and begins to worship him. And the Bible says this man had uh, 6,000 demons. We can derive that he had 6,000 demons because these demons are screaming at Jesus, leave us alone, you know, don't do this, don't mess with us, we know who you are, all the kind of things that the devil would say to Jesus after he had been baptized by John and the voice of the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now Jesus is not a secret to the demonic. Previously, the demonic realm did not know exactly where Jesus was. The same way that the demonic realm did not know where Moses was whenever he was hidden in the, in the little wicker basket and floated down, or hidden in the basket and floated down the river. He had to be hidden for a season so that he could actually deliver the people later. Jesus was hidden from the demonic realm, uh, and the way that we know this is because everybody that was controlled by the devil was trying to kill him. They were trying to do it through infanticide. Nowadays, we don't call it infanticide, we call it abortion on demand. Because what the devil wants to do is to kill as many babies as possible because he doesn't know which one's the next Moses. He doesn't know which one is the next John, uh, uh, John the Baptist. He doesn't know which one is the, is the next, uh, Billy Graham. He doesn't know which one is the next Oral Roberts. He doesn't know which one is the next Lester Summerall, Kenneth Copeland, fill in the blank with your favorite preacher, T.D. Jakes, Bill Winston. You, you, you just name it. He doesn't know who they are because the Bible doesn't say that Satan knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. So he doesn't know. But, but God knows, he knows them before, the Bible says he knew them before they were formed in his mother's womb. So that's why the devil loves the concept of abortion on demand. And that's why he loves to say this right here, well, you can't afford a baby, that's why you need to do it. Nobody can afford a baby. It takes faith, all of it. Like that's why the devil hates faith so much and he tries to talk people into thinking only through their mind and not through the filter of the scripture. Because if your mind hasn't been renewed, then all of a sudden I can't afford it, therefore becomes a reasonable act to extinguish something from adding to society or life. Or you could say, you know what, uh, maybe this wasn't even planned, but you know, by, by faith and in the name of Jesus Christ, we're gonna be able to do this because God is for us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can buy diapers. Praise God. So the, the devil has been using the exact same concoction, plan of action, the cocktail of, of, of stopping. It's always interesting to me how somebody that wants to be pregnant acts pregnant day one. That's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. And then if you don't want to be pregnant, or, or if you, you, you want to talk about it in, in terms, you don't use the term baby, you use the term fetus. As if they're not interchangeable. This is demonic. And if you ever wonder if it's a loss, then you talk to a mother who's had a miscarriage. That's when you know. Because the mother that has the miscarriage that wants the baby mourns, just like the baby had been in her arms. Because in theory, it had. You see what we're dealing with? This is demonic stuff. But the devil doesn't want us to pull the veil back and just say, just say, you know, call a spade a spade. 
We're not, we're not angry at anybody that's ever had an abortion. If you're considering one right now, I would highly encourage you to not do that. And you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. None of us know what we're going to do. Get in line. Get, join the club. This is a, this is a group where we don't know how it's all going to work out. We're just believing God. Come on, if you don't know how it's all going to work out, but you're just believing God, just throw both hands back and say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not in control, you are. But the world wants to tell you, you got to have everything figured out. The world wants to send, let me tell you what the world wants to do. The world wants to send a college counselor to your kindergarten, kindergarten class to talk to your kid about what do you want your major to be in college. They're like yellow. <laughs> this is anti-God to have to have everything figured out. Now, we should be wise as serpents, as particularly with regards to age. But at the exact same time, nobody's got it all figured out. And anybody who acts like it is a liar. They don't have it all figured out. They're just as, nobody, the Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. We're looking through a glass darkly. It's like we're looking through a, a, a clouded up window. We can't see it all. So the Bible says that, that Jesus gets off the boat and he says, he says, he says, this, this guy here, he comes up and the, the, the demons start yelling, uh, you know, we know you are and all these other things that he says, he says, and Jesus says, shut your mouth. He said, what's your name? The devil said, Legion. Because we're many. A legion is about 6,000. Little, little, not, not the exact number. It's about 6,000. He said, he said, we're many. He said, we're a legion. <laughs> I could almost, I could almost see the disciples like, oh no, I didn't know there was a bunch of them. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't even care. He's like, okay, there's a lot of you. I don't care. And they know what's fixing to happen. He's about to tell them what to do. And he doesn't know what they're going to tell them to do. They know it's just not going to be good for them. So they start negotiating. When the devil starts negotiating with you, understand you have him on the ropes. This is not the time to back up and to fall into perdition. This is the time to hit and hit hard. So the way that the devil will do it, as soon as you start walking in the abundant life, all of a sudden things that, that, that didn't used to bother you will start bothering you now. Because now he knows you've gotten free in your finances. You're, you're, you're building up an inheritance for your children and your children's children. You become a paymaster in the kingdom. All of a sudden, he's going to start negotiating with you. He's going to start trying to convince you to do one thing different than what you know is correct. Instead of going completely off the rails, because you're not going to the bar at 2 a.m. Come on, you're not smoking dope and skipping rope anymore. You're not running around on your husband. You're not running around on your wife. You're not sharing the intimate details of your life with people that you shouldn't be sharing the intimate details of your life with. You're not doing that. That would be completely off the rails. So what he wants to do now is he wants to start negotiating with you. I'll show you another negotiation here in a minute. He wants to start negotiating with you. He says, okay, here's what I want. Would you put me in the pigs? And he's like, yeah, I'll put you in the pigs, but they're going to die too. So he puts them in the pigs and the spirit of suicide that was on the man that tried to get him to kill himself. But you understand everybody's made in the likeness and image of God. So that likeness and image of God had been waiting on the manifestation of the Son of God to show up and set him free. Therefore, he was able to abstain from actually fulfilling what the enemy was trying to get him to do, which was trying to get him to kill himself. The pigs don't have that. So the pigs ran off a cliff. So the pigs all killed themselves. And the man says, perfect, I'm going with you. Uh, but first, can I put some clothes on? 
Bible said he ran around naked. He was crazy. He was filled with the devil. So he gets clothes in his right mind. He's sitting down. All the people from the village next door, they come over. They're like, whoa, there's that guy. What's he going to do? And Jesus is like, he's fine. It wasn't him. It was the demons. See, nobody wants to say this in 2022. Because we, we would rather it just be, you know, somebody's decision. No, demons are driving these people that are doing all this wickedness. Period. So the scripture says that Jesus, uh, he goes, no, he's fine. And they're like, well, you know what? We're, we're not, we're not really for that here because we still needed the pigs. There are people that they are okay with, uh, uh, somebody being set free, but they just don't like the way it happened. You know what? I'm all for deliverance, but I, I don't think it ought to look like that. Well, what should it look like? How many tears is enough? I've seen some stuff. And I've never seen people get completely free on your terms. It was always related to that person and whether or not they are going to uh, be set free. So anyway, uh, the man says, all right, Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus said, no, you're not. He said, you are going to go tell everybody what I did. He said, but I'd rather go with you. He said, I understand. And one day, forever, you know, that'll be the case. But for now, I need you to go tell everybody what I did. And Jesus got back on the boat and left. If any man asks you, why do you loose them? Why do you loose him? You say unto him, the Lord has need of him. Historically, they say that this man started a move of God on those coasts. Jesus got in the boat, went across the boat, set one, went across the sea, set one man free, got right back in the boat, and went to the other side. Why did he do that? Because the Lord had need of him. The best thing in your life is probably the rope. The best thing in that donkey's life was probably the one thing that he hated most. It was wrapped around his head tied into a halter and was holding him to a fence post. And day after day, he was frustrated that he couldn't move. I want to be, I want to go where I want to go. I want to run on the mountain with those donkeys. Maybe there were some wild donkeys running up on the hill. King James version, there were some wild asses running around. You don't realize it's the rope that will tame your wild Donkey. <laughs> Probably the best thing in your life is the rope. Because as much as you pulled against it, Saul, it's hard to kick against the pricks. I know I'm in the right place, but I'm frustrated. I thought I'd be further along than this by now. I've been serving God for like 20 minutes. How come I haven't raised anybody from the dead? And the rope has kept you strategically in the right place because there's a day coming when somebody's going to set you free. There's going to be a preacher. There's going to be a man. There's going to be a woman of God. Somebody's going to say something that's going to untie the one knot that's ready to set you free. But the reality is, is that one knot can't be untied until the master needs you. Jesus needed a donkey. And the donkey would have never been there if the rope hadn't held him. The best thing in your life is the rope. The Bible says when you, when you're asked, 
You tell them the Lord has need of him. They walked up and they saw the donkey and they started untying it and says, Hey, you taking my donkey? Said the Lord has need of him. And the donkey's like, Yeah, the Lord needs me, bro. And he goes walking and the Bible says Jesus is put on this donkey. I'm going to skip down for the sake of time. The Bible says, verse 35, they brought the donkey to Jesus. Oh, I sense the anointing. And they put their garments upon him, upon the colt. Nobody had ever sat on him. Now, there's a... There's a prophecy in Zechariah that talks about our king comes, the king will come triumphant and victorious riding on a donkey colt that nobody had ever ridden on. So he was fulfilling prophecy while he did it. And verse 36 says, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. Verse 37. And when he was come near Even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now, keep in mind, this scripture, they would have known it. At least some of them would have known this prophecy about the king of all glory or the the king of Israel coming triumphant and victoriously riding on a donkey. Matter of fact, uh, there's another reference in 1 Kings chapter number 1, I believe it is, where Solomon is named the king of Israel and he he's named king and he rides in on a donkey. Now, I don't know about you, but but if it's me, I'm I'm not riding a donkey on my on my, you know, the day that I'm made king. I'm thinking, bring me the finest steed in all the land. Here here. Maybe one of those Tennessee walkers. You know what I'm saying? I'll be high stepping in there. A Lipizzaner stallion. Anybody ever heard of those? That's worth YouTubing. A Lipizzaner stallion. I'd be riding that sucker up. Or maybe I'd go trick rider rodeo style and be riding on two of them. You know what I'm saying? One foot on each back and just riding those suckers. Jumping through a ring of fire, you know. Scooping down, picking stuff up off the road. Maybe a chariot. That'd be kind of fun. Ben-Hur style. But in ancient Middle Eastern society, if a king came riding on a horse, it it meant I'm going to war. But if a king rode in on a donkey... It meant I come in peace. Jesus, the king of all glory, with thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists, rode in on a humble donkey to say, I'm not coming for war. I'm coming to make peace. The Bible says that the people were shouting and they were 
declaring, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they were waving their palm branches. But you have to be really, really careful because it was less than a week later that in that same area, people had been shouting for victory and shouting his praises and waving palm branches. The Bible says that less than a week later, they were spitting on him and slapping him with the palms of their hands. From palm to palm. If you let the praises of people build you up, then their criticism will tear you down. You have to know who you are before you get there. Can you give God a hand of praise right there? Jesus is walking in. The people are shouting. They're taking their coats off and they're throwing them in the road. They're declaring that, that, that he's blessed. They're screaming Hosanna. And then the Bible says that, 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 that they're saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, uh, Master, rebuke your disciples. You can always spot a Pharisee because they hate loud stuff. Pharisees hate loud stuff. And I'll be honest with you, it was not something that I came to quickly. When I get baptized, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, started, you know, really reading the Bible through these different lenses, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of it I was like, man, why are they shouting so much? And then I had some time to pick up some victories. And I was like, Woo, you've been good to me, God. Come on, Jesus. And sometimes just a, something a little quiet, little thing just doesn't work for me. You know why? Because my flesh likes me quiet. Oh, don't do that. Somebody's going to think you're crazy. Don't get on your knees at the altar. Somebody's going to think you're crazy. Don't let anybody see a tear come out of your eye. They're going to think you're weak. Don't let anybody think all that. No, it, it doesn't take all that. I don't know exactly what it takes, but I know whatever it takes, that's what I want to give. I don't want to be... The world's version of a Christian. Come on, let's put them in a box. Oh, that's cute. Get them over here. Just all, maybe, maybe, maybe they all say the same stuff and maybe they all, you know, somewhat look the same, but they're just like us when they get out of the doors. I don't want to be just like everybody. I want to be more like Jesus every single day and I want to be serious about it. I don't want to know more about the Dallas Cowboys than I know about the disciples. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a preacher, so that doesn't apply to me. The Bible says that he went all the way to the Gadarenes to talk to a man that was tied up in a tomb, not to talk to a man that was a preacher. Our God is everybody's God. And you can have just as much as him, just as much of him as you want, and you will settle for as little of him as you decide to commit to. But there has to be an element there where you understand that there are things in Christianity when it comes to the Bible that do not make sense in the world. Jesus is going to walk up to you in your prayer time and he's going to ask you a question. It will probably sound like this. Will you be made whole? Because that's who it lies on. We'll find out next week when he gets killed. He said it's finished. That means it's on us now to believe what he said and did until what he said and did and paid for manifests in our life. 
But I always find it interesting. There's two ways to spot a Pharisee. One, they hate loud things. They hate it. I'm not saying you gotta like love it, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody doesn't have to look exactly the same, but, but most, most, most pharisaical Christians would rather just preach to Christians. Who's this guy talking to? He's talking to Jesus. How many people were there that he could have been giving them a, a, a you know, a, a Sanhedrin track? Here, let me tell you about the Torah. What do you know about the Pentateuch? But instead, he's talking to Jesus. Because Pharisees don't want to do nothing. They just want to criticize everybody who's doing something. The most dangerous thing in Christianity is Pharisees. Because they dilute faith. And they put a book on top of anybody else's growth that goes past where they are. Oh, this is how it is. This is how, this is how God moves. What about behold, I do a new thing? What are you going to do with that, fairy? <laughs> the most dangerous thing in Christianity is pharisaical Christians. That come and start, they, they, they put their concepts and their cultures on new believers and they just, they just recreate the limits that they live under. This is how far God goes. This is how far God goes. This is it right here. Don't do this. Don't say that. If I had a nickel for every time a preacher told me what I should preach and how I should preach it. I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. I just told him, I said, I was believing this stuff before I became a preacher. Why wouldn't I share it? Well, some people can't handle talking about money. Well, there's churches where you can go and they'll never talk about it. You're welcome to be there. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just saying, I've got this Bible as not just a a motivating factor. It's a responsibility to say what it says. So the scripture says that the Pharisee says to Jesus, Master, you need to tell these people to be quiet. Isn't it interesting? Everybody always knows what you should do. Everybody always knows what you should do. You even know what they should be doing on the road construction that has slowed you down. Well, if they just do this, 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 and this, we'd be done. <laughs> you even know. Here's what they ought to do. Tell you what. Here's what they ought to do. Everybody always knows what you should do. Particularly the people that don't have any skin in the game. Everybody knows what you should do. So Jesus says this one statement. It's incredible. He said unto him, I'm telling you this. If these people held their peace, the stones would cry out immediately. Somebody say immediately. That word cry out, I looked it up. It literally means to shout, to scream. And one translation even says to squeal or squawk like a raven. Ah! Because creation would not have let Jesus walk into that place at that time without giving him the glory that he deserves. So why would we, the blood-bought, the born-again, the spirit-baptized, water-baptized believer, let the presence of Almighty God walk in the room and not give him the praise that he deserves? Why, why would we, why 
would we not give Jesus the same adoration that they did and that creation was willing to do? The triumphant entry, Palm Sunday. God blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, one week later. Who is this? You got to understand, people are fickle. You look to people, you're going to be in a pickle. You got to get to the place where he gets the praise because the Bible says this. And if you read it fast, you'll miss it. It's just a couple of verses and I'm having to rush because we're out of time. But here's the deal. They said they were shouting and praising because of all the great things they'd seen him done. A verse or two later, he's crying. Because he knows what's fixing to happen. And he says what's, what's being done is hidden from them. They shouted for what they'd seen him do. And everything that was about to happen and why was hidden from them or they'd have never killed him. And if he'd have never died, you and I would have never had our price paid. And we would still be receiving the wage of sin, which is death. It was hidden from them. But how many of you are blood-bought? Just wave at me. It's not hidden from us anymore. So we're not supposed to just give God praise for what we've seen Him do. We're supposed to give Him praise for what we know He's going to do. I don't just give Him praise for what He did. I'm giving Him praise because I know what's about to happen. He's going to do exceeding abundantly above more than I can ask a thing. He's going to bless me in my coming in, my going out to a thousand generations. My household will be saved. Don't tell me prodigal sons don't come home. I'm already thanking Him they're coming back. I don't have to see it all to believe it all. Blessed are them that believe and have not seen. They shout because of what they've seen. God's looking for a remnant that'll shout for what we haven't seen. Stand up, I'm done teaching. Well, keep standing, I'm done, te- I'm done teaching. They shouted for what they've seen. He told one of his disciples, you gotta understand, you wanna talk about being blessed, what about the stuff you hadn't seen yet, yet you still believe it? You know what the evidence of reception is? Thanksgiving. You send somebody a, a, a present, you know they got it, cause they send you a thank you note. What God tell you you were gonna have, you hadn't thanked him yet. I'm just wondering if we got to get to the place where we receive it. The Bible says when we pray. And the way you verify you receive is when you thank him. Not just for what you've seen. I'm thanking for stuff I haven't seen yet. I don't even have, I got some, I got some, I got some things. I've got blanks in it. Thank you, God, for this city. I don't know what the city is. Thank you for this city. As soon as he tells me a city, I'll put it in there. But I'm thanking him for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for releasing us. There's a shift that happens when you understand the same people that are shouting for you may shout at you. So you can't live by what man says about you. You can't let man's procedures and protocols stop you from giving the one who set you free the praise that he actually deserves. Because he's the one who could have rode in for war, but instead rode in says, I come in 
Peace. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.